Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. All right. The recording's in progress. We're doing It's this. all happening. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome. There's that laugh. I Welcome know. to the try. That <laughs> was real too. That was legit. It was real. Welcome was real. to the trying to be better with Joel and Steve podcast. I'm Joel. I'm Steve. And we're here to blow your fucking minds. I'm, <laughs> I'm straight up, dude. I'm like crispy. I didn't What's sleep up with you, man. So I had a bit of a, we have a guest today. So I, this is not the Joel therapy hour, but it could be, it could be. I, uh, I, I had a real, I had a real breakdown last night. I ever got home from work and I was like, I'm yeah. done. I quit. I'm going to, I just want to work at a bank where I could punch in at eight and punch out at five. Screw this. You know? Oh, wow. I'm okay. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but what happened was I didn't, I didn't sleep very well. I woke wow. up like Were, were you two hungry, hours angry, lonely, and tired. Okay. I, I ate a bunch of A's and taste Thai, so I'm not hungry anymore. I'm not okay. lonely. I got you guys. That's I right. went to my meditation group. Um, I'm not angry and I'm, but I am tired. So that's okay. where that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. I, let's see. I'll run through the checklist. I'm not hungry. I just made my daughter a smoothie. And so I had one and I'm not lonely and I'm, I'm not angry, I'm a little stressed out, but I'm not angry and right. I'm, I'm a little fatigued. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think that's where, you know, it's good. We're a solid, we're a solid C plus. Last night I had a full on Yahtzee of all four of those things. And oh, now, yeah. now, you know, impermanent it manifested thing. itself in Joel flipping over the proverbial table pretty much. Yeah. And then, you know, had a kind of a sloggy day at work and now here I am. Sweet. Um, we, uh, uh, find us on Instagram at trying to be better podcast. Yep. Um, email the show at TTBB podcast at gmail.com there you go have we yeah. gotten any emails steven we have not gotten any emails perfect <laughs> we're we're, perfect. Like bat, we're batting a thousand on i that. love it yeah um that's not all one. the that's all the housekeeping i i was kind of i was kind of musing about things to talk about because i wasn't sure we had a guest tonight and i was right. so stoked to get a text from you like five minutes ago yeah yeah that that uh we have well, a this guest. has been in, this has been in the works for like months yeah, this guy was on the original list. Yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. That's so, that's real. Yeah. So uh, tonight's guest is uh, well, both Joel and I's uh, good friend, Mr. Terry Warwick. Say hi to the folks, Terry. Hello. <laughs> Terry is uh, well, is a longtime friend of both me and Joel, and he's also uh, the what would you call yourself? You're the founder, owner, CEO, proprietor of Terry Warwick Restorations. That that's correct. All those things, yes. All of those things, yeah. You're the production the manager, <laughs> GM, the whole deal. Yeah, a lot of hats. A lot of hats. And uh, I first met Terry, um, kind of in the secret recovery rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll just I, I want to yeah. tell this story because I think it's it's really great. Is like I saw Terry kind of like from a distance, you know when I was uh, significantly younger and significantly crazier uh, than I am today. Uh, but I always, uh, I didn't know Terry well at all, really. Um, but I, he was always smiling. So I, it, my nickname for Terry was smiling Terry. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's other great. People, other people have said that. 
Really? Yep. Yeah. And I just, you always seem to have this, uh, you always seem to just be good with what was going on. And I knew that you were active, um, in your life and in recovery. And, um, then you started the, uh, well, this is an important thing. I think is that you, uh, went to a young people's convention, I believe in Denver. Is that right? Uh, initially the first one. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. And then you came from back from that just on fire. And, yeah. uh, and I you wanted- started the, the Nebraska young people in recovery thing. Yep. yep. I wanted to do something with that. Yeah. You yeah. did. And you did. And that's where I really like, we'd gone to some things together, but like, that's, I kind of came in, not at the Genesis of that, but a little, you know, maybe a year into it, maybe. I think yeah. early. Yeah. Definitely. Pretty early. Like the first, before the first eat the big pig, which uh-huh. is this, this annual pig roast deal yeah. out in Lake uh, McConaughey, um, in the middle of Nebraska, mm-hmm. but that's where, uh, um, I think you and I kind of became friends. Well, and you became my spiritual mentor for a number of years, like yeah. pretty formally. And yeah. that's the, and so that's kind of my, I'll never forget one of the, one of the key issues that I was having in my life when that happened was my financial situation and ability to be in the black wasn't great. And I'll never, <laughs> ever forget. I very stupidly and just insanely um, this is after like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, you know, I can't make a living and I'm in debt and blah, blah. And then I bought a new car. <laughs> <laughs> the vibe, <laughs> dude, the Pontiac I bought, vibe. I bought, I bought the first one in Lincoln. Cause I, just, I was quite surprised. I just, you, you were, <laughs> and I'll never forget. Like I showed you the key and your face turned as red as I've ever seen it. And you said, and I think I'm quoting, we need to have a talk about <laughs> accountability <laughs> i i remember how stoked you were to have that car and no. i remember me and chris were were like really stoked for you and there was like he seems really nervous about it though too yeah like, i was really maybe that wasn't a good idea it was a really terrible decision just all the <laughs> had i called terry at any point during that afternoon i i would probably still be driving the nissan pickup truck that i'd traded in on it because it was a great little truck mm-hmm. well i i've got this list of like three things that just because someone will allow you or or will participate with you in doesn't mean it's a good idea and sometimes we assume things are god's will because people will agree to it or participate and uh what one of those things is bank loans <laughs> i i have to know what the other two are though so bank loans what are the other two terry well they're they're about relationships with women yes oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. and just because you can use your imagination i sure. just did okay yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> right well and that's the other, and so uh the other thing the i guess the other thing i would say is that terry you have always 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 to me you you are a zen master mm. Because you have this way of putting sometimes difficult slash abstract like spiritual or life concepts and distilling them down into like their most fundamental core things that are like really easy to understand for everybody. You know, you've always had a knack for that. I agree. And so that's always something that I've just appreciated about your friendship and just what you, the way you look at things. It's like, you don't get twisted up about stuff. Well, you kind of can, but like, (laughs) right. Like we all do, you know, but 
you your outlook on situations has always been just incredibly pragmatic and um and the one other thing i'll say is that you for me personally have always been the person that has been willing to say the very difficult things to me when i when you felt like i needed to hear them right like hmm. you have gone out of your way to tell me that i was like out of line <laughs> in a way that was like kind you know mm. in a way that made me th that didn't make me uh rebel or well, fuck you or whatever you know it's like oh god if he's like you you went you took extra steps that you absolutely did not have to take to help show me that i was off the path mm. and so i'm forever grateful to you for that so there's that well, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I care about you guys and I, like, I want to see you do well, whether, you know, whether it's about any type of situation and, and usually if you're standing on the outside of that, it's, it's not that hard to, to kind of see that kind of stuff, but sure. um, anyway, I'm glad to do it. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so really glad, yeah. Thanks for doing this, man. It's really cool to. It's always what I love about this platform is that we can talk to people that we know and get to know more about them. And just like mm -hmm. that, there are fascinating, interesting people in your immediate circle, For you real. know, and you are one of those people, not, not just because of your kindness and your help, but the work you do, who you are, your, your whole energy is really, you know, we have interesting people all around us and you're definitely one of them, Terry. So thanks for taking the time for this, dude. So that's the thing that I actually wanted to get you on here to talk about is cars. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like when I first met you, you were driving your 73 911. Yeah, okay. And wow. I knew it was yours and I knew that you kind of, I mean, I knew that you had a shop or whatever. And I also, I, I noticed that it, like the first time I noticed you in it, that it was burning a little oil. Oh yeah. Okay. Would've, that would have been pretty early when yeah, I, yeah, it was. when I kind of had gotten it together, you know, uh -huh. and, um, I'd, I'd always wanted one of those cars, sure. you know, a 911. And, um, I'd gotten into a situation where, uh, I could purchase a damaged one that had, you know, quite a bit of miles on it. And, and I did. And so initially the first things I did to that were, you know, make it drivable. And it, it, the engine was tired, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I drove it that way for probably four or five years recreationally, you know, uh -huh. before I addressed the engine issue, but yeah. So, um, you, I, I guess from, from my perspective and you can correct me is that you are, I would say, well, at least in the Midwest and you have customers all over the country, but you're one of the, I would say, premier Porsche restoration guys in the country at the moment. Is that a correct statement? Well, I think it's fair to say that at least within a three state, four state radius. Sure. Um, just a little background because some people who are listening, they have no idea, but right. um, I started, uh, uh, I started kind of doing this kind of work in about 1990 yeah. And I worked at a shop for about six years where we did kind of some high-end restoration stuff. And I learned a lot there, but this has always been 
a passion of mine since I was a kid. I mean, I, I got a bike, I took it apart, I put it back together. I got a motorcycle, I took it apart, I put it back together. You know, I wanted, when I was 15, I wanted to have a nice car and I knew my parents weren't going to go buy me one. And so I, I found this 67 Mustang in a newspaper in Kearney, Nebraska, which I bought for $550 and a book about how to restore your car. Hmm. And uh, I grabbed my dad's sander and, you know, I, I went at it and I found a, a buddy who had a little more knowledge than I did. And he kind of helped me and we kind of got that done. And, um, I was driving that to school. It was bright red 67 Mustang hmm. and this kid in the small town I lived in, I was driving on a paved street that went straight to the high school off a side street, uh, drove out and ran into my freshly done car. Oh, it, was, no. it was such a bummer, man. And, uh, <laughs> uh, there wasn't a, a yield sign or a stop sign at that intersection of any kind. And so they said it was an equal fault accident. Oh my God. And, uh, the kid wasn't, you know, responsible, but, in the end, it, his insurance company ended up, they ended up paying for my repairs. So I got nice. that back on the road. So sure. anyway, that's how this started, you know, and, uh, I opened my own shop in 1997. Um, I thought, you know, if I'm going to repair cars, I want to do something special. I don't want to just do general, general oh, stuff. Collision work on Dodge Neons. Exactly. And uh, so I'd kind of decided that I like sports cars more than I liked muscle cars. I wanted, um, I like the, the turn both ways kind of thing instead of just the straight line. And sure. I, I'd been around some people that did racing and various things like that. And the history of uh, sports car stuff it, through the 60s and 70s. It really interested me. And so I kind of gravitated that way. And I started doing a lot more work on those types of cars and slowly um, got into kind of a specialty situation there. And um, I've, I've restored and built many cars for people. And um, there was a customer here today with a car that I built for him that we finished like in 1999. And he's driven it um, all over the Midwest. Like he's made several trips with Wisconsin with it, trips to like Arkansas with it. Um, it's one. It's his favorite car, and he has like five. What is it? Uh, it's a MGB GT with a V8 um, and a five-speed transmission, air conditioning. Which that car didn't come equipped like that. Mm. Um, and uh, that. I'm a little nostalgic about this right now, but a terrible thing happened last week. Yeah. Uh, a customer of mine that uh, I built a similar car to the gentleman that was here today, who those two gentlemen are good friends, but um, we restored MGC for this other person. And uh, I finished it in 2006 and um, people that knew this guy, I mean, he was, he was an amazing guy who went to car shows everywhere and that car, he, that we finished in 2006, it was a 1969 MGC. He'd driven between then 
and last week in excess of 100,000 miles. Hmm. That's so cool. He made multiple trips um, to Stowe, Vermont, to go to a British car show there, visit his son in New York. He'd driven a car to um, Key West. Wow. Uh, he had me get it ready to go to Key West, and he didn't tell me. His doctor told him not to go, and he had an 80% percent heart, 80-plus percent heart blockage. And this, <laughs> he, <laughs> he didn't tell me that he had that, and he's like, get it ready. I got to go to this thing. And so I did, and anyway, made it back okay. But last week, he didn't make it back okay. Wow. He was coming back from Stowe, Vermont, and, uh, on Interstate 80 in Iowa, and a car turned into his car. Oh, and shit. and uh, he was fatally injured in the accident. Hold on, guys, my light went on. Yeah, Terry's yeah, right. light just went away. I was like, "Oh no, did he lose power out there?" Oh, that's yeah. It's, that's a. I read the newspaper article on on um on your friend, and it was uh it was he was quite a character. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so he had started what would be referred to in Lincoln as the Flatwater Austin Healy British Car Club him and a few other gentlemen. And so he's uh, a very well-liked guy. And, you know, him and I spent probably about six to nine months working together, building that car mm-hmm. that, that he was driving last week. Wow. And so you get to know people pretty well. That's well, part of what I like about what I do is I can, I can do stuff like that. We, we laughingly call it the Terry Warwick restoration experience. <laughs> hey, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's, awesome. where you, that's where you come here and you pay me to work on your car while you hang out. And mm. <laughs> so, yeah. do they have to pay? Do they have to pay more per hour if they help? It's not more. Okay. It depends on, it depends on their skill level, but I yeah. understand. Uh-huh. So, but um, I was just out at your shop kind of for the first time picking up a prop that you loaned me for a show. And, and, uh, there is a, there is a vibe where you just kind of want to be around it. Like you're, you're seeing all these sort of beautiful machines just hanging out and you're like, I want to see this thing. I want to, I want to hear it purr. I want to hear the Mm -hmm. story behind this. Like that's real. That's the cool thing about like, you know, hearing you talk about your work over the years, it's when you talk about a vehicle, Cause I don't know much about cars, but when you talk about a vehicle, you also talk about its owner, its history, it's sort of context of when it was made and what, it, what that means and the difference between that version and a newer version. And there's always a story with the cars you work on again. Also just going back to something you said earlier, Terry, I find it fascinating that you were the kind of kid that was just like, I'm going to take this apart, put it back together. And that that didn't like, I mean, I used to do that with radios here in a little bit, but I kind of get this like gave up on that. Like, it doesn't sound like you gave up on that, but was restoring and an auto auto work. Was that part of your, your sphere as a kid? Was your family doing that? Or is this something you just sort of took to? No, I didn't, you know, my dad would repair some things and had some hobbies similar to this, but nothing to the extent that, that, you know, I've done, you know, Mm. I had to look for sources to learn stuff and, and, and that kind of thing outside of my immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it's, uh, I was thinking about this in the, like in the context of like, they eat the big pig thing. And then in relationship to starting my own company too, it's like, 
I didn't know if it was going to work <laughs> either part of it, you know? Mm. And, um, we kind of learned to take these leaps of chance, you know, if you will, yeah. and, and just kind of put it out there and see what happens, you know? And I've, I've been very lucky, you know, with my work, because I've gotten to be involved in some things that, that really were outside of anything I thought I would get to do, you know? And I fixed a car for a woman from England who lives in a house that's in the historic register of the, you know, it's, it's just, it blows my mind, you know? And um, when, when that came together, like I got an email from her and she said, you know, I'm thinking about taking a U.S. holiday. I'd like to come there and collect the car and then, and then drive it on a U.S. holiday. W- would you help me do that? You know? And I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. You know? Yeah. And, and then I had found out that she had participated in a, a European rally called the Peking to Paris rally, where she and a girlfriend drove a 1937 Plymouth from, uh, Peking to Paris. 1937. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, just checking wow. And uh, so uh, when I found that out, I said, well, you know, would you be interested in telling my local car club about that? And so I had the Flatwater Austin Healy Club people and the Porsche Club people. I invited them all to this event and we had a dinner at Laszlo's. And then these ladies showed us, she brought the friend with that, that drove from Peking peking to paris and they they showed us slides of their their travel and 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 we had the she she had bought a porsche 1960 porsche 356b from a friend of mine and then i completed the restoration work for her and then we had that down in front in the haymarket on the street and i have some great pictures of that you know it looks really cool there with the laszlo's neon sign and then she and her friend left here and they drove that car from here to New Jersey on a, on a holiday and, and uh, put it in a boat and took it back home. And then he later sent me photos of the car in front of some various castles, you know? (laughs) Right. That's (laughs) awesome. Just crazy stuff. You know, I remember when we first started hanging out at your, at your, at your old shop, um, we were doing something and you had two, if not three, I think 1956 Buick Roadmasters in there. Oh, wow. That, oh, yeah, you, yeah. that you were turning into one Buick Roadmaster <laughs> convertible. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I remember saying, I was looking, I was trying to fab, wrap my brain on them. Like, either you have brass balls or you're totally insane. <laughs> and, and, and you said, I like to think it's a little of both. <laughs> And, and when that car was done, it was gorgeous. It was like a showroom new 56 Buick Roadmaster convertible. Mm. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, that was quite a project, too. The gentleman who owned that wanted um, air conditioning. And actually, he had owned one of those cars when it was brand new. Uh, it was a 56 Century convertible. The Century was like. Uh, oh, did I have the model wrong? Uh, you said Roadmaster. Roadmaster is a little bigger, but that's okay. it's, And uh, he wanted air conditioning, so he purchased an entire extra car from a salvage yard, a four-door one that 
had air conditioning. So we get the air conditioning, the original <laughs> stock air conditioning. Wow. And, and then we, in that situation, we had to send that air conditioning to Florida to have it rebuilt in, in its stock form. And then, then, you know, we installed that into the car. It was, it was quite an ordeal. <laughs> where, where, where was your first shop? I don't know that I know. I feel like, I feel like I want to say it was downtown Lincoln. Is that true? Where was no, your it first? Was, I was at uh, 48th and kind of between Superior and Cornhusker on a, a street called Progressive Avenue. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I know where that's at. Yeah. My and, other, you know, when I started, uh, I started my business, I had roughly enough money to start. I had, I had enough money to buy a air, air compressor, pay my first month's rent and my deposit and, and just a little bit more, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I had a couple jobs lined up and I just, I was just going to do what it took, you know? Mm, sure. So it, it worked. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, like, like you said earlier, or like Steve said earlier, you know, massive brass cojones or completely bonkers. It's like, yeah, a little, it takes a little bit of both to, to, to step out like that. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like in a lot of ways that are good, but maybe in your story, not so good. That's kind of how Terry rolls. <laughs> right. It's like, well, I'm going to roll the dice, see if this works out. And it's like, that's, you know, at least in the res- restoring classic cars, classic sports cars, that is, it seems to have worked out. I mean, you've people, people bring their precious machines to you from across the pond, which is, I mean, I have to imagine that there's, there's, there's folks in the UK that could have restored that well, car. Uh, you know, that situation developed that way because that car was here. Oh, okay. And she purchased it from someone here that I had a connection to. Gotcha. But, um, you know, in terms of the level of work we do, we, we had a car uh, that we did of 1953 three Jaguar XK 120. When we did that car, we really set out to do as good a work as we could do. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen that mm-hmm. car completed. And, um, we didn't, I didn't, the customer sense has taken it to several, um, national shows at, at very high level. And mm-hmm. I didn't know he was planning to do that or, or we would have prepared even more than we did. Mm-hmm. But, um, at every show that he's taken that to, he's won an award of third place or higher wow. in, in its class in the concourse event. And the interesting thing, a customer of mine was standing by him, talking to him about it, asking him about the car at in Arizona. Uh, and this customer told me kind of what the conversation was they were having. And a person came up to the owner of the car who was a judge at that show, a Jaguar specialist judge and asked him, you know, where did you get this restored and what did you pay for it? And then indicated to the owner of the car, they should have paid twice that to have the, that level of work done and, wow. and told him that it was as good as or better than the best shops in the country. And now wow. that just like made me, you know, that's the best thing that anyone mm-hmm. can say. You know, mm-hmm. did you change your rates on the spot then? 
Well, you know, <laughs> that's something that is a, uh, it's kind of a negotiation between a customer <laughs> and myself. So sure. Sure. Uh, I, what's uh, I, I, I have to ask too. Cause like, I, like Steve said earlier, like you're somebody who is able to contextualize seemingly unrelated things and make them pretty profound. What have you, what is restoring cars like this taught you maybe spiritually or maybe just about other humans or about yourself? Like, uh, I mean, something that could be accessible to anybody that doesn't know anything about restoring old Jaguars, you know, like what, what has it taught you? What, it, what do you, what do you hold on to? What is, what has been the spiritual maybe significance of this work? Well, it, it's, uh, maybe taken me a long time to uh, pick up some of those things. But I mean, I've always had a good work ethic. I got it from a farmer I used to work for. Mm. When I was a young kid, uh, I, I worked three summers for a, a gentleman who I have tremendous respect for. And I was uh, unmotivated and somewhat lazy about certain things. And uh, he was a good example to me and he didn't let any grass grow underneath my feet. And, mm. and I knew that he was very successful and uh, um, I kind of wanted to, to accomplish something. And, and I saw from him how to go about it, you know, mm. and, mm -hmm. and his words also, you know, in certain situations were, were very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, what, what have I learned long-term? Um, life is, I mean, you could look at life like a car, a car that is well taken care of is not abused, um, is, is kept inside, kept clean, uh, is, is so much better than one that, that has been left outside, neglected and not cared for. And, I mean, you could look at how you treat yourself or your loved ones in that manner and, and really draw a straight analogy across those lines. You know, why, why do you want to run your life ragged, you know, and not, not take care of it? You know, mm -hmm. I think that that maybe is the best um, analogy I could draw there. Mm. My my dad always said that uh, clean cars run better. Remarkably, it seems to be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I uh, yeah. I mean, I'm taking that to heart right now, Terry. What you're saying, because like, uh, yeah, I feel like I've un I've unnecessarily lately been revving my engine and not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I've been doing a lot of power stands. And uh, it's not, it's just, it's just a lot of noise and smoke. It's really not moving me anywhere or taking, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, this is, this is really taking its toll, you know, like, yeah. Well, I mean, part of the reason to take care of something is to get good performance out of it when it, right. when you want it. Right. You know, right. and, and that, that can't be expected to happen all the time if you don't do the things you're supposed to do mm. in the first place, you know, Ru routine maintenance. Yeah. Something like that. 
something like that. Mm-hmm. A, a routine practice, routines in general. Right. Hmm. I uh, I remember being at your shop when you first got that Jaguar, that one twenty, and you were showing me, um, the bare metal where it had been hand pounded. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. You could see where the where the metal had been put on like a wooden form, right, and where the mallets had actually formed these beautiful sweeping fender piece. Yeah. Now, like part of the reason I do this is like I love building neat, neat things. You know, like I like making things beautiful and. Um, the cars predating some of them predating about 1960, certain parts of the, uh, body st- structure building was, was very hands-on thing. It, they didn't have robots or, uh, automatic processes. And so there might be a craftsman that it was his job that day or every day of his employment at, at Porsche or Jaguar or wherever to, to fasten two pieces of metal together in a seam that needed to be invisible. Mm. I spent a lot of time perfecting that, learning how to do that, you know, to the best of my ability. And I, I probably, <laughs> I probably welded like hundreds of like a hundred miles of steel together or more. I, I have no idea. I mean, that is something I, I used to just, that's, I did it all the time, you know, mm. and Steve's kind of making me think about that, but I enjoy doing that too. So will you fabricate parts sometimes. Yeah. 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 I have. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's wild. I've I really mean, enjoyed over the years watching you uh, collect all these. Um, I'm going to say weird. That's not the right term, but just kind of, I'll say specialized pieces of equipment. Yeah, yeah. You just, you know, just by nature of what you do and who you talk to, like the, don't you have like a 911 frame straightener or something? Yeah, I do actually. I have a, it's called a, it's called a fixture bench and it has precisely located, uh, like dowel or jig pins that yeah. fit directly into certain spots on a 911 chassis so that you can tell if the suspension and mounting points of important things are in exactly the right spot. Yeah. And that's only, it's specifically for a Porsche 911. Only for Porsche 911s. I, now, Isn't that amazing? Uh, that's so cool. Uh-huh. That, that bench, I also have the same type of jigs for Porsche 356. So, yes. So, I'm, I'm, I'm curious too, something you said earlier about like, you know, knowing the history of a, of, of a certain weld seam for a particular car would be done by, you know, that's why those cars are so special. So unique because they weren't just churned out of a, you know, automation. Um, did you have to like, what was your training in that? Is it something that you just learned trial and error? Did you get certificate? Do you have to have certificates in order to kind of be certified to work on these kind of cars? Like, do you just like research how that particular craftsman did that weld and you just trial and error figured it out? I learned to weld in a, uh, 
high school high school shop class in Minden, Nebraska, the Minden nice. Public Schools. There Thank you God. go. Thank God. Yeah. And uh, sure. <laughs> we had to learn the hard thing first. We had to learn how to gas weld. So that's like with a torch and a piece of steel rod. Mm-hmm. And um, he told us that if we learned how to do that, we could do any other kind of welding. Mm-hmm. And he pretty much was accurate with that. Um, so after, you know, when I did car work in high school, I was always afraid I didn't know what I was doing and that I was doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. When I repaired my own car or my buddy's car, I, my buddy, after my other friend helped me restore my car, then I helped my friend restore his Trans Am. They had smoking a bandit Trans Am, which oh, yes. Anyway, we did it have the thunder chicken on the hood? It did, but then (laughs) he didn't have enough money to buy a thunder chicken sticker, so it didn't get put back on. But (laughs) he loaned that car to his brother, and his brother put it in a ditch and made it shaped like a banana. (laughs) So the running joke is is with me and Dave is that you know Patrick owes you a Trans Am, and you need to call it in (laughs) because sooner than later, it's just going to get more expensive, right? Well, anyway, so, uh, initially, you know, skeptical about my abilities and so forth, but then I went to work for this guy who'd done lots of restoration work, you know, and I had a lot to learn, but I had some basic skills in in place that were valuable, you know, Mm -hmm. and between the knowledge I acquired from him and what I already knew, I, I just got better and better and better. And I like to work. I, at that time, he was an interesting person. And uh, he would, you know, we'd put together some fancy car and, and he'd say, you know, I want to get this done by two weeks from today. And then we're going to take it to the show somewhere. And, and so we just, we just worked 16 hours a day and get it done. And we maybe drive it to a car show in California or something mm-hmm. or Las Vegas. And it was interesting. Uh, at that time, you know, it's pretty cool. Some of the stuff we did was in national magazines and, um, motor trend, I think wrecked a car that I had done a bunch of work to. They wrecked it. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, slid it off a interstate offering. What was the car? What were they they doing? It was a, I think it was a Mustang. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were doing it for, they were doing it like a photo shoot and they screwed they were it up. Road, they were road testing it on the road. Their driver must have been being very aggressive yeah. and they flipped it. Oh. Damn it. <laughs> so I think it's worth, uh, I think the story of uh, this uh, our trip to Elkhart Lake 11 years ago, if you can believe that, is That's worth right. telling. In the 73911. In the in the aforementioned the same car 73911 that was all burning oil 20 years ago. Hmm. Right? Where we may have gotten a trophy. Well, yeah, I think I I'll tell my perspective of it. There's this deal at the place called Road America, which yeah. is outside of Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And Road America is this big it's a big racetrack. It's a huge facility and it has a couple different kind of tracks roped into this, but there's like a can-am track or what you would call it like a, like a road course. It's not just a, an oval. It's got turns and dips and whatnot. Right, let, me fill in, let me fill in a little history here. Yeah. Uh, go. Road America has been a racetrack since the fifties. The okay. first race there occurred on public streets. 
And then they built the real track. Uh-huh. And um, every famous race car driver you could ever think of has raced there. Hmm. For sure. Um, that, that place was in its heyday in the 60s and 70s. And okay. it's still used today by modern and historic race cars. So this event, this, and I'm hoping I'm getting the name right. Scott Redmond challenge. Is that right? Uh, Brian Redmond, Brian Redmond, international challenge, international challenge. This event, it's like a weekend long deal where people from all over the country and maybe the world, I don't know, bring these priceless automobiles, um, to do what amounts to gentlemen's racing. Like they actually get them out on the track and race them. And, and there's, and there's, uh, there's classes, there's the, I don't know, small cars and, like little Porsches. And then there's like the Can-Am cars, which are just hellish mechanical beasts. Right. And, and they go out and they unleash them on this racetrack because these cars were not meant to sit. They were meant to be driven and, and, it, and it's legit racing. I mean, nobody wants to wreck these cars. So there's an element of kind of be careful, but they're out getting after it. It's an act. They're actually racing. And the amount of, just I, I keep saying the word priceless because a lot of them are these vehicles that it's just staggering the amount of money that's there mm. frankly um i was just utterly blown away um and i guess we went up to what kind of help one of your customers just make sure their car was doing good in the race right i have a client that races there austin healy sprite in uh, yep. a vintage class and that's the smaller end of the spectrum there um He's raced that car there probably for 14 years now. And so, so, yeah, we do, we do a little mechanical assistance for him at that race every year. Uh, and then also we entered my car in the streetcar concourse show that year. Well, yeah. And that's, so that's the deal with this thing is that the picture is worth a thousand words. So I'll try to keep it to about 150, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> but so like on, uh, in the evening, all the people that are at the racetrack in Road America go into this little town of Elkhart Lake, which is idyllic and beautiful, and it's on a lake, and it's just a it, and it's so it's just this huge street party with all of these amazing cars, and part of the deal of that is it's a it's a, like a competition, it's a car show, mm-hmm. and Terry entered his seventy three nine eleven in this car, which I think probably a year previously was in boxes and parts. Hmm. because yeah. you restored every piece of that car over the course of what a couple of years maybe right yeah i'd finished it up probably just shortly before you yep. and i left yeah so we so it was basically a brand new 1973 porsche 911 it was as good a shape as it, as it could be probably even better when it was showroom new um and so we're hanging out at this deal this party and we'd walked around and we looked at all the cars and some of the judges came by. I think they were, were they affiliated with road and track magazine? Probably. Think, yeah. And so, and you know, Terry just kind of told the story of the car and you know, they said, okay, great. And they went on and, and, uh, and as the night's kind of winding down and there's like, well, let's go up. There was like a grandstand or, you know, a stage. So let's go up and see what the hell was, what was going on. And, uh, there was one trophy sitting left on the stage and it was for Terry's nine 11. <laughs> It was yeah. the damnedest thing. That was what, was the, the, what was the trophy? It was, it was first place in, in my class. Yep. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so that what that did 
besides just being an awesome achievement in itself, but it got that car into the like best of show uh, show competition the next morning, which was like what eight cars, maybe like the first, like the best in class. Yeah. Just like a dog show, right? (laughs) Only with cars. At the at the racetrack the next day. At at Road America. At Road America, the winners get to park in a prominent place where people will see the cars. Like it's a viewing basically. Yeah. 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 But that was that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. And it wasn't even my car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was excited. But I just I you know, I I think for uh, it was such a poignant the right word, just because you and that car had been through a lot in the preceding decade. Yeah, yeah. That was you had, great. You great had been year. through a lot in that decade. Mm. And just to have that, I for me, knowing you and kind of your situation, like that felt like uh, it was a really awesome way to kind of end, to like start a new thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was a really nice little, just a nice little shot in the arm, you know? Yep. I mean, was, it, there's it's not lost on me, the idea of restoration and re-restoration in kind of the rooms that we hang out and we all met in, you know, that's like, that's real redemption. You know, you talk, other, other groups talk about, or other belief systems may talk about redemption, but I've only really only seen it in these places. You know what I mean? And that's like, these cars get a, get a, get a second, third, fourth shot and to have this, to be celebrated well into their years and to kind of continue to be maintained is, something that we get to kind of be in awe of, you know? Well, that that's the thing that I really like. That's so cool to see. And I, I, like I was telling Terry before we started, before you got here, Joel, like I haven't even been, Terry did a major addition to his shop and I haven't been out. That was what a year ago. And I haven't even been out there to see it. So I got the, you know, the, the webcam tour of it, <laughs> but uh, like just to see, uh, some of these cars come in, and, and then to go out looking like uh, you know, whatever grease lightning, you know, like just <laughs> bad analogy, but you know, uh, same kind of deal though, where they come in and sometimes pretty sad shape, you know, and and roll out showroom new or better. Well, uh, that's that, uh, that's got to be gratifying. I got I got to come back to my friend Jim because. Okay. He had a he had a bad week last week, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jim's car, I think it came from a field. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. you know, you guys were saying before maybe I did did what I did because I was a little bit crazy. But um, you know, youth has a way of making you believe you can do anything yeah. sometimes. You know, and when I think about that particular car, um it was really bad, you know, like one of the worst ones we started with ever. Uh And um, where I'm going with this is that, you know, Jim drove that thing to like a hundred, like a hundred thousand miles. And he took it to car shows in States all over the U S and he won trophies there. And I don't, Jim drove that car so much. And one of the things Jim prided himself on is that he didn't always wash it. (laughs) (laughs) But Jim had a stack of ribbons and first place trophies from that car. One of which 
or more than one of which were at like they have an annual or national MG show somewhere every year. And he would get first place at that thing, you know? And, uh, what, what Jim had was a unstoppable spirit about Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. and, uh, enthusiasm. And he did that in spite of, any kind of defect he might've had mm. about himself or mm. his, you know, the guy was 83 Wow, and he still did that stuff. And so, you know, sometimes when I'm discouraged or I'm tired, I, I have this little image in my head of, of like maybe the seven leaders of, of the world religions that are prominent and they're in a poster and they're looking at me and they're saying, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so, so now I'm going to add Jim and, and a couple other guys to the poster, you know, and, yeah. and it's like, what are you going to do? I would, what I really love about that. And I, maybe it's commonplace in that competition world is that I think, I think you, you mentioned it twice. So maybe it's a big deal that he drove that car to those shows. It wasn't like he put it in a trailer and 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 towed it to these shows he was driving it it was this car that he was showing up to kind of dirty and road road weary and had to kind of tweak before the show like he was he was driving this car not not in a not in a glass case but it was the thing taking him to all of these shows mm-hmm. right right well and that was the thing that struck me at the deal i was talking about a minute ago with the the thing at elkhart lake is that the the judging is very um i mean i think there's probably some technical criteria but it was also much like a a dog show it's very subjective for the judge how they feel about that particular animal or car well that's true and there are shows that are like that and then there are shows where they have checklists of hundreds of items that they see a certain way but i think the thing that got you the trophy at elkhart lake for your 911 was the story as well as yeah. the car i think that's to some extent true. i mean the yeah. car was a it, it was beautiful and perfect but i think just the story of where it had been the last couple of years you know yeah i, yeah. I think the judges went that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah hmm. what are you what are you working on right now terry like what's what's in the garage right now um well right now we have uh two porsche 356 speedsters that we're kind of finishing up um we have a 71 911 t that we did a complete nut and bolt everything restoration to that that's nearly done um we have a triumph tr2 Mm. uh we just finished uh, overhaul work on the engine of a Volvo P1800 and we added air conditioning to it. Um, this nice car now, uh, let's see, uh, maintenance on a 1984 911 that, uh, has been parked for five years. So it needs a little, you know, recommissioning. Um, but it only has 30,000 miles, which is like brand new. Just broken um, in. Yeah, I have a, I have a seventy three 
914 with an interesting story. A uh, person bought it new in 73 and then got married and pregnant and sold it and then later tracked it down. Oh, wow. The same car. The same car, his car. Uh-huh. Florida and bought it back. Wow. And then in 1999, that's when he did that. I painted it in 1999 uh, partially because it would be become kind of sun faded but that car only has 20,000 miles which is remarkable the wow. inside of it it appears as new and wow. part of that credit is to the owner because he's meticulous uh and he, he's very detail oriented and he's cleaned and polished and you know done, done his work you know uh, but he brought it back in to have the engine compartment uh brought up to the level of the rest of the car mm. and so we taken that out and you know, anything that can look um, like it's only got 20,000 miles has been refinished and refurbished and repaired and had some leaks and things like that. So, so now that car is like, yeah, you could take it to like the Porsche club and enter it in what they call a preservation class. Cause it's not totally restored, but it's like, we're trying to make, make it what it's supposed to be without over restoring. Right. And, so that it, it looks as if it had never been altered or changed. It's not updated or pristine, correct. but it's, it's like, this is captured in time almost. Correct. Yes. Hmm. Yes. What's, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? Like coolest that car you've ever worked on oh, that man. just like still kind of blows your mind. That's gotta be a <laughs> tough question to answer. Yeah, that's, that's pretty tough. Um, <laughs> there, um, I did the metal work on a Porsche 356 Carrera, which is a four cam car. Porsche made a special motor that they put in race cars in the 1950s. It's kind of what made them famous to some extent. Um, and so like, if you're familiar with what a 550 Spider is, a Porsche 550 yeah. Spider, it would come with a four cam engine. That's all they ever put in those. The 356 model mostly didn't have the four cam engine, but some 356s got the four cam engine. So if you have a 356 with four cam engine, it's extremely valuable. Um, this particular, Porsche 356 Carrera when it was new that original owner purchased it and then entered it in several European rally races. So what that is, they would block off the roads between say Rome and somewhere in France. And then they would time the people driving from the one point to the other. And you would have these log books that you had to stop in various places and they stamp your time and sign it and send you on your way. So that particular car had participated in the Rome Liege Rome rally, like two years or three years in a row. And also in another rally and in one rally it was wrecked and destroyed. Well, uh, that car came to me with in need of like the bottom six inches of metal oh, wow. in the structure. So a little work and some other things. Needed some love. 
Yeah. So, so I did that. So like in terms of probably the most historically significant yeah. uh, car that I've worked on, that's probably it. That's cool. That's so cool. I'm particularly uh, proud of the Jaguar 120 that Steve was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I got to take that. The customer let me take that to a show in Kansas city where I displayed it. And the guest of honor there was a man named uh, Sir Sterling Moss, who was a knight of the Royal British Empire and the second best race car driver in the world between about 1950 and the 60s. And he was like 82 when I went to that show. And uh, they put me in front of where he was sitting, I think because I had a Jaguar, because his first official racing job was for Jaguar. And so he was talking to me about the car and he said, you know, they gave me one of these when I started working for Jaguar at my first job. He said, I asked him, I said, they gave it to you. You mean to keep? And he said, no, it's still theirs. It's better that way because they have to pay for the maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) And then, then, then he informed me that he had met, he, he picked up a lot of what he called crumpets in that car. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, his, uh, uh, his wife who was with them said that uh, one of the Jaguar executives names, I don't remember which one it was, would be very proud of the, the car, you know, that, and, that you, uh, that you had there. That we restored, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll, have, we'll have to find the pictures of that. Yeah, it, I want to. Yeah, I'm gonna. Comb that car is when it was completed. Some of those professional photos you had taken up, Terry. It's like the most sensuous thing <laughs> on wheels that's ever existed. Mm. So I'm pretty proud of that too. So that was a good deal, and mm. I got some good guys that work for me. You know, I got that. That really, the three of us, the team we have now is is very good. Nice. It, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. yeah. You got to dial it. I mean, people that are kind of, yeah, know how, how well you want things done and, and how your, your level of work ethic. I mean, you're able to pass that on just like it was passed on to you, you know? Well, man, this has been really great. We're kind of bumping up against our time uh, that we usually shoot for. Um, yeah. Joel probably wants to ask you his questions. Oh, yeah. I've just been really, I, you know, Terry, thank you so much for this. I'm just like, I'm just digging, just chatting with you. I mean, it's like yeah. we have such interesting friends and you are definitely one of them. For real. So uh, one thing we like to, I just, I think it's always interesting to ask of our guests, like, <clears throat> what are some things that you are currently listening to or always listening to now this could be bands artists musicians whatever or it could be books that you're listening to or other podcasts or maybe just radio I mean, what are you listening to like while you're in the shop or what are your all-time favorites like what comes to mind when i when i ask that that's a um i spend a lot of time in the shop so i listen to stuff because I, i'd get bored otherwise but right. um, so i listen to blues influence british rock okay <laughs> yeah good uh-huh. yes. yeah. and uh you know i've listened to that so much sometimes i can't listen to it right <laughs> and then uh um i like uh, certain outlaw country type stuff yeah i call them the drunken cowboy philosophers yeah yeah, yeah. And, and they they usually uh have a rather poignant way of of saying things or you know uh talking about life 
Uh, so I like that. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I don't know. That's kind of musically the, the, the spot where I am sometimes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's, do you yeah. have like what of, of those outlaw country artists, what, which one comes to mind? Like recently, yeah. Sure. Oh, I, he, Todd Snyder's funny, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's so good. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, a Sturgill Simpson's good. Yeah, sure. You know? Sturgill Simpson, he is like, he's otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's from he can, another planet in time. Span, like he can span genres. Yeah, mm-hmm. which that's cool. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. he can kind of do anything. Cool. Well, yeah. thank you. I didn't know that, Terry. I wouldn't have guessed it. That's really great. Thanks. I All kind right. of forgot about Todd Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. Well, man, thanks so much for doing this. We've been talking about getting you on here forever. And yeah, uh, since like since Joel and I first started talking about this, we compiled a list of people we want to talk to. And you were, you were right on there, man. So thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks, Terry. Well, thanks, guys. I yeah, didn't man. know how it go, but I've enjoyed it. So yeah, man. Good. Good. All right. And All I've right. enjoyed listening to your podcast as well. Thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. All, All right. right. Thank you. Thanks, Terry. Yep. Later. Bye. I want to know just how do you feel? I want everybody in the building. Everybody in the middle of the night to hear my voice and say, yeah. Yes, I know I believe I that you feel pretty good tonight. You know I feel pretty good in my own self. Why oh, I feel pretty good in my own self too? Why? I know yes I do. Come on and clap your hands. Come on and clap your hands. Come on and clap your hands. I clap your hands. Come on and clap your hands. Oh, come on and clap your hands. I can't hear you. Clap your hands. Just a little bit louder. 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 Just a little bit louder.
there's one thing I want to know now. Just one thing I want to know before I go. I want to know. I just, how do you feel? I hope you feel all right. Because you know I feel all right my own self. Yes, I do. I'm on a tiger. I'm gonna put a tiger in your tank. Put a tiger in your tank. Ha! Yes, I will. And I know if you feel all right, children. I'll let me hear back one more time. And if you feel all right, now, I'll let me hear back one time. I said, oh, all right. Come on now, oh, all right now.
I just want to leave you tonight. It's about time to go. I want to leave you with a little bit of information. Uh, yes, I do. If you want to find yourself a little bit of loving, if you want to find some hugging too, there's only one thing you got to do now. One thing you got to do. One thing you can do now One thing you can do, baby Ah, yes you will get yourself together too if you want to get yourself together all you got to do is slow down just a little bit you got to slow down or just about a little taste what now yeah you do wow yes you do yes you do Don't forget, toot your hooters.